0: So we want to carry on with the, the sort of next part of the series. If you weren't with us before Christmas, all of those, um, all those talks were podcasted, but we kind of, essentially we were looking back and we've, we've based this all around Genesis and what we see at the very beginning in terms of what was God's intention, what was his plan, what was his purpose for humanity. Um, and we kind of, we've brought it down to these three key elements um, that we've got to try and figure out, which is that, you know, I am significant because I'm made in the image of God. It's not because of what I do, but because I'm made in the image of God. And so that is for every single human on the planet. We're significant. We're supposed to be influential. You know, we were commissioned when God created humanity to rule and reign actually to bring order and flourishing and creativity. We're called to rule and reign. And the third thing is that we're supposed to be connected. We need to be connected to God and connected with other people. And so we looked at, we sort of zeroed in a lot of those first two aspects really before Christmas and, and understanding, listen, you know, there is a, there's a, that cultural mandate hasn't gone away. And actually, what does it look like for us to, to partner with Jesus in the renewal of all things? And so actually figuring out, okay, well, how do I steward that significance, and how do I avoid um, you know, that lie that the enemy would bring, is actually my significance comes out of some combination of my performance and other people's opinion of me, and that's where I find my significance. We looked at how do we embrace our authority and also our vulnerability, knowing that's actually that's the way to flourish. We looked at a whole area about what do we do with the hours of our week, with maybe jobs, relationships, connections we have, how do we see that as part of our mission field? Actually, what, that what I do matters, um, but, as well as holding on to the Great Commission, actually we need to tell people the good news about Jesus, but knowing the good news about Jesus is restoring all things, so whether that 's in politics or medicine or in, with our finances or in you know social groups or like, he 's restoring all things, and you and I get to to play a part in it and so if there are any of those kind of talks you missed i encourage you they 're all podcasted. Um, but essentially it's this, this and there's a really big story that's going on and there is way more purpose on our lives than I think we probably realize. Um, and so we wanna take the next couple of months um, to look in on, on that third aspect is that um, in God's created plan, we were designed for connection. You know, part of the cultural mandate when God blessed Adam and Eve was that actually that we, they would be fruitful and multiply, that they would fill the earth. Um, and so that, that's about people and more people. It's about families, communities, relationships, children. It's this big net of relationships, okay, with people, not just with God, right? We need, we have, we have an inbuilt, God-given, good need for connection, actually to find people and places where we belong, where we feel known, where we feel loved, and we're able to love other people, right? We were created for that. And if we don't have that, we're missing out. It isn't, you know, just me and Jesus actually isn't enough and that's biblical like that's not a heretical statement that isn't how we were designed to be there's more and so uh, we're going to take the next couple of months and look at some specific areas of connection and relationships We we'll look at areas like marriage singleness sexuality acknowledging Listen, these are challenging complex and pretty controversial issues um, and but I want to kind of I want to set the scene for how we're going to look at those things. How are we going to talk about them? How are we going to consider them and have some and set it in a, in a hope helpful context? And the first aspect of it is understand that the big context when I'm looking at relational needs and in all the ways that that plays out. The first thing is understand this: the big context is for human flourishing. God is good, we've sung about that this morning. He's good, his posture, his intentions towards you and I and every other person on the planet are good. Therefore, what he says about relationship, his standard, his guidance, his will for our lives, is good because he's a good God. And the context is, in his goodness, he wants humanity to flourish. Not to control, not to obey the rules, not to toe the line, he wants us to flourish. And I'm, listen, if we're approaching any of these things without a really rock solid certainty that God's good and therefore his plans for me are good, therefore his will for my life is good, if that's not there, we can look at these things and they feel really limiting, really restricting, really difficult. So we, it's, we need to get that one in place first. The big context is that actually that it's, it's for human flourishing. That's the big goal. The big journey is that, listen, every one of us is to become like Jesus. We're all on that journey and we have all got some stuff to work on. There is some stuff for every single one of us to fix and, if, and pretending there isn't is daft, right? So we need to kind of own that together. Actually, do you know what? The big journey is I need to look more like Jesus. And that's for us as individuals and you know what that is for us as a church? A knowledge in the church hasn't done a super good job of that in some ways. Actually, that's the journey. Actually, we look more like Jesus. The third thing is there's a big net, right? The big context is that we flourish as humanity. The big journey is we get more like Jesus. The big net is relationships, right? And now that includes, but is not limited to a married relationship. I want and listen. I, I'm so aware of the breadth of this subject, right? It's so broad, it's so complex, and so I know painful in some way for some people. And I just want to put it out there right now we are absolutely going to be limited in how much of this we can talk about with me on a stage and you on a chair on a Sunday morning, right? Talking about this stuff and in this context isn't enough, right? It is important, and we're going to be doing that. It is enough. We've got to, you know, this is one of our real values. Like, we value this gathered space, but we really value that. Actually, sit around a table and talk. Like, we have to own both of those things. So, um, just in terms of the... the depth and breadth of these subjects and the time that we have and the the amount of study and like it's way too big to kind of tick every box and hit everything on a Sunday morning so I want to encourage you to you, dig into that journey. You dig into the Bible, dig into conversations with people, not just an echo changer of people who're going to think like you and tell you that you know actually all the same things that you already think. But but like really engage in genuine community and conversations. And you know for us, it's a high value that community isn't a place you attend. It's not that I tick off. I did go to a city group. It's actually much broader than that, and it's much more in, is much as much value in the unformed places as it is the formed. And the deal is that actually I have people where I am seen, I'm heard, and I'm known. Actually, we've got to all be intentional for finding that. So just acknowledging, listen, we're going to talk about this stuff on a Sunday morning, but that is not the end of the conversation by any stretch. So on one level, you know, the question is, and I've asked myself this multiple times over the last few months as I've been preparing, is why on earth are we going to dig into these things? Um, Because actually there's so much scope for... Pain, confusion, effect. Like there's so much scope for that and I'm acutely aware of that. But we have to talk about these things because God's intention is for connection. Like it's a massive part of God's heart and plan, and So we need to talk about that, figure out what it looks like. And we need to acknowledge this. The things that we don't talk about that we're not grappling with, that we're not sharpening each other on and discipling each other on, culture and the media and society, they have an awful lot to say about all of these sort of things. And so if we're not talking about it here, we're gonna be allowing ourselves to be dictated to and and discipled and defined by maybe what society and culture says, which might not be what the Bible says. It might not be actually what God wants. And so in saying that, I am absolutely not in any way, we're not speaking in reaction culture or media or society or anything else. We're not speaking against anyone or anything. Actually, I want us to have these conversations into response to, God, what are you saying? And Jesus, how do I get more like you? Right, keep, Like, really simply keep those things there. And so we wanna start talking about it here, but try I wanna really super encourage you to have honest, brave, authentic conversations out there. We're not gonna get it all done in here, is that all right? Yeah. And this is the other thing, listen, there's lots of things I'm just putting out there. I'm speaking to us as a church community, people who are trying to follow. What does it look like for me to follow Jesus? Right? We're gonna look at what the Bible says and desires for us as people who've committed to follow Jesus. And I'm not looking to put that on anybody else. I'm not speaking to the city. I'm speaking to us as people who are committed to each other and to Jesus to try and figure out, what's that look like, okay? So it's for each of us to lean in, to make adjustments maybe, to take responsibility. Well, God, what are you asking of me? What does that look like? Is that okay? So we acknowledge all of those factors and then press in. So let's jump back to Genesis. Um, And the essential thing that you see in the Genesis creation narrative is that um, the God says in everything that he created, he says it was good because God is good. We have to have a foundational conviction. God, you're good. His posture towards us doesn't change. It's always good. Everything he wants for us is good because his heart is that you and I as individuals and us as people would flourish. So we have to have that as a, a firm foundation. And you see that when God creates you know, the stars and the sky and the animals and the land and the sea and all that. He consistently says it's good, including humanity when he creates Adam. He creates male and female in his image. Humanity with all of, all of the stuff that goes with that. He said it was good, But it's really interesting, there's one thing in that creation narrative, in the first few chapters of Genesis that God says wasn't good. Everything he created was good, but we read this in Genesis 2, 18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So our humanity is good, but as humans, us being alone isn't good. And so in the story, God goes on to create Eve. Um, A female fully made in God's image. Equal in authority, equal in value before God and that is a non-negotiable for us around here, right? Male and female, made equally in God's image and she becomes Adam's wife. And it's really important at this point that we hold these two things really carefully. On the one hand, it is not good for anyone to be alone. And and from that place, God creates Eve and does institute marriage, okay? But listen, I think it is a false equation to say marriage is the only and ultimate answer for all our need for connection and relationships. Like, I don't think that's true. I think that is unrealistic and unfulfillable for every single one of us. It isn't the answer for everyone, and it's not the ultimate and only answer for anyone, wherever we find ourselves. Otherwise, what we're saying and hearing and believing is that actually if you're single, you are alone, that's bad, it's not good. I don't think that is. The, the other thing that we hear is if you're married, your rela- relational needs are sorted, good job. That's not true either. Neither of those two things are true. And so, so we've got to figure out how, how do we navigate that? It's not good to be alone. Marriage is good and God-ordained and we should honour it. But actually, it's, it's, not, it's not the only thing that we're talking about. And so um, I, want us, I want us to try and figure out that one, right? Because this being married does not guarantee you intimacy and deep companionship. Neither does being single exclude you from it. And Honestly, I think sometimes in the church, we, we don't communicate that clearly, I'm gonna say it again. Being married does not guarantee you intimacy and deep companionship. You know, there might be some of you who sit in this room married feeling deeply alone. And you would say, absolutely, yeah, marriage does, isn't the answer. It doesn't guarantee you intimacy and deep companionship, but being single does not exclude you from those things and does not mean you are alone, it's not good. It isn't that. And I'm, I'm really aware, I'm so acutely aware that, I think often in the church, and, and we would probably clumsily do this sometimes here as well, we do a poor job sometimes at maybe understanding, talking about, you know, using analogies and examples, valuing and creating a culture where being single is, is really honoured. Right? Acknowledging at sometimes for some people it's difficult, I'm not going to try to gloss over that but it is in no way less than marriage in any possible way and if we've, if we've ever done things or said things that have communicated that I'm really sorry that is absolutely not our intention and, and we're genuinely having lots of conversations to try and think how can we do a better job at not communicating marriage is good, single's not quite so good. Like, it's, that's not the truth. And so, we see this thing in Genesis about this. Listen, there is a need for friendship, for intimacy. By intimacy, that is not a euphemism for sex. If I mean sex, I'll say sex. Intimacy isn't just that, okay? Just, just to be clear, right? Intimacy is being known, right? And we, we have those needs. Being alone isn't good for us. Being connected in that big net of relationships, which for some will include marriage. Um, it's part for all of us, it's not everything, but this being connected and being known, you know, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, listen, you can be married and not be known. And if you think there's different ways to, you know, whether we are you know, physical intimacy, of it's a good part of marriage, but listen, you can have a ton of great sex and absolutely not be emotionally connected at all. And not actually know this is my deepest fear. This is my biggest dream. You can just what I'm saying, and and you know you you maybe share all of those hopes and dreams, but actually you don't have that spiritual intimacy where you might pray together and pray over one another, right? And those things aren't exclusive to marriage. We need to build those things into community. But we need this big net of relationships where we are connected and known. So whether and so here's the thing: whether we are married or single, whether there are questions for you over sexuality and. All of it is complicated and we've all got some work to do, right, and we're all in that boat together. We're all on that journey together. But that's the, the primary thing that we see in Genesis in God's heart towards us is, hey, being alone is not good for this human I've made. There's, there's got to be community and connection and relationship. And that hasn't changed, right, for all of us. Wherever we find ourselves, that is the same. And so we wanna, we're gonna take, we're gonna take time to unpack some of those things. Um, but as we're doing it, I, wanna, I want us to have Jesus absolutely front and center as we do. And I know that's a really obvious place to start, um, but you know, as Mark was sharing a couple of weeks ago on, actually, what is our perspective? How are we looking at things? You know, situation doesn't always need to change, but maybe the lens I'm looking through does need to. And I want to encourage us is that we're looking into these areas, marriage, singleness, sexuality. I want us to know, actually, do you know what, the lens we've got to look through is Jesus. We need to keep him front and center, because remember, it's re- you know, the really important verse for this whole series is in Colossians 1, that actually, through his death on the cross, Jesus is renewing and reconciling all things to himself, whether in heaven, whether on earth. All things are being renewed and reconciled in and through Jesus, and only in and through Jesus. And so I, you need to have that lens, Jesus who's renewing all things and place that over relationship, sexuality, marriage, singleness. That's the lens that we need to look through. Um, and I, wanna re- I want us to just keep him front and centre as we process this. So I want to read from um, Colossians 2. Um, this is actually the, the Phillips translation. Um, I'm actually going to start reading from verse 2 just for sake of time. And, and I was reading this and I was like, gosh, if there's... If there's anything that is my heart and prayer for us as a community, as we dive into this, I was like, this is it, I feel like, I'm, you know, this wasn't, Paul wasn't writing this because he was thinking a, ch- you know, a church in Manchester, thousands of years later is gonna be looking at sexuality and the cultural context we're looking at it, but, but he could have written this prayer for us right now, I feel, so I wanna, I wanna read that over us. Um, he says this, how I long for you to grow more certain in your knowledge and more sure in your grasp of God himself. May your spiritual experience become richer as you see more and more fully God's great secret, which is Christ himself. For it is in him and in him alone that men will find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm writing this to prevent you from being led astray by someone or other's attractive arguments. For though I'm a long way from you in body, in spirit I'm by your side, watching like a proud father the solid steadfastness of your faith in Jesus. Just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, so go on living in him in simple faith. Grow out of him as a plant grows out of the soil it's planted in, becoming more and more sure of the faith as you were taught it, and your lives will overflow with joy and thankfulness. Be careful that nobody spoils your faith through intellectualism or high-sounding nonsense. Such stuff is at best founded on men's idea of the nature of the world and disregards Christ. Yet it is in him that God gives a full and complete expression of himself within the physical limits that he set himself in Christ. Moreover, your own completeness is only realized in him who is the authority over all authorities and the supreme power over all powers. There's so much in that that feels like, yeah, if we can hang on to that as we navigate this, then I think that's gonna keep us in a good space, right? My completeness is only found in him. It isn't found in Phil. It isn't found in my kids. They are good and, and one of God's biggest blessings to me, but that's not where my completeness comes from. Jerry Maguire is unhelpful. You complete, like, not, that's not it, right? <laughs> It's not here. It. And, and listen, here's the thing. We have to keep Jesus center, actually, so that actually we're not, listen, we acknowledge the culture and the world we live in, but actually that, actually what are we, where are we navigating these things? Is this founded on a men's idea of the nature of the world whilst disregarding Jesus and who Jesus is? Like it's, it's, there's just so much in it and that in the journey, actually the goal is that our spiritual experience will become richer because actually the treasure of wisdom God, what do we do? Like that, this is the question, what on earth do we do? Actually, the answer to that question, that treasure of wisdom and knowledge, is we're only gonna find it in Jesus. So in the midst of genuinely very, very complex subjects, you know, multiple questions which I don't have the answers to, acknowledging there are lots of other voices, there are lots of other opinions, there are lots of different standards. Actually, we've gotta come to the point of saying, I'm gonna find wisdom and knowledge in Jesus and him alone. Actually, I'm not gonna get led astray by anyone else's attractive arguments. I'm gonna really dig in and say, Jesus, what are you saying? Who are you and who are you asking me to be? And how are you asking me to live? This is the deal actually, that we come back there. And so I want us to center ourselves there. Before we look at any of the specifics, I want us to center ourselves there on Jesus and, and, and come back to this place of confessing Jesus, it's you and it's only you. There's one of my favorite bits in the Bible, which increasingly is, it's like my daily confession of faith is in John six. So if it's, a, it's a really long passage where Jesus is talking about himself as the bread of life. And the people initially like, oh, that sounds good. Let's have that bread from heaven. That sounds good. Um, and then Jesus says, actually, it's my flesh. You need to eat my flesh. You need to drink my blood. And, and, and obviously, in that context, people are like, what on earth? And we can read that story. And we understand about communion that we've done this morning. We understand that that's what Jesus was pointing forward to. But without any of that knowledge, it's outrageous what Jesus was saying. So culturally offensive. Remembering in a Jewish culture that they drained all the blood out of their animal like blood wasn't a thing at all. So human blood. It's like, what on earth are you saying, Jesus? And you see that a lot of the people, a lot of not just people, but disciples, it says in John six, a lot of the disciples were like, that is too hard, and they walked away. And then you see this stunning, beautiful interaction where Jesus goes to the disciples and says, What about you, Lot? You know, they've heard just the same things. It's just as offensive, just as confusing, just as challenging. He says, what about you? Are you going as well? Um, and And Simon's confession of faith is beautiful. It says this, verses 68 and 69. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So listen, when we're looking at these things, when things are confusing, let's just acknowledge it. It's confusing and it's complicated. When things are absolutely clashing culturally, which there's, there's a lot of that that goes on. When things are, are really hard to believe sometimes. When actually doubt seems really loud and present. When it's really costly to follow Jesus. Like, when, it's, when it's, there's times when it's really painful, it feels really disappointing. We can come back here like the disciples did and say, I'm acknowledging this feels really painful, acknowledging this feels really costly, acknowledging this is so confusing, but in all of that, center ourselves back around to, but, but Jesus, I don't know where else to go, it's you. Like, honestly, that's the best place to find ourselves. I know less, I feel like I know less now than I did when I first became a Christian. Like, I, there's so much less I know, but I'm much more sure of this. In all the confusion, in the days when doubt feels like the strongest voice, when it seems like, how can we possibly, how can we possibly navigate this? Being faithful to what God says and gent, like how can we possibly do this? It's too much, it's too difficult. As we come back here, so Jesus, I don't know where else to go. I believe you've got the words of everlasting life. For me, for culture, for society, for marriage, for singleness, I believe you've got the words of life and so I'm gonna to come to you. I don't understand what that all looks like, but I'm gonna to come to you and I'm gonna stay with you. And so my encouragement to us, as we try and dig into this, is, is let's come to him and let's keep coming to him. With all our questions, with all our process, with you know, wherever we find ourselves this morning, wh- however this lands for you right now, I wanna encourage you, come to him. Like where, where else would we go? We come to Jesus. And I, my prayer for you is that your spiritual experience would be richer not because we've, um, we've, you know, we've talked about complicated issues and we've, we've really dug into the original Greek. Not because of any of that. Actually, our spiritual experience will become richer because we see more fully God's secret, which is Jesus. Actually, we see him more clearly. And then everything else begins to line up. And that actually, he would give us the grace, like Paul says, actually, that just as you started in him, that you go on living in him in simple faith, which is what Peter expressed Jesus, what you said is revolting. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I don't know where else to go. Where else would I go, Jesus? I that's the simple faith I think he's looking for. And, and I think that's the simple faith, that's the lens that honestly I, I think will help us navigate some of these really difficult things f- pretty well. So I wanna say to all of us, you know, where, wherever you find yourself this morning, whether you are single, whether you are you've never been married, whether you are divorced, whether you would have questions over sexuality and where you find yourself, whether you're struggling with pornography, whether you are married and drowning, whether you're married and flourishing, whether you're widowed, like wherever you find yourself, however you are processing things, I want you to know you are loved deeply and known absolutely by God. He knows everything about you and loves you. And I want for us to commit to being a church community where we can figure out this thing is, you know what, we don't have to do this alone. We've all got stuff to do, we've all got work to do. Um, And actually, this this is a place where you're not alone and you can get to tell some of your story, all of it. Actually, that we would commit to being loving and respectful, even in disagreement, because I'm convinced probably we'll land in different places, some of us. But our lens is following Jesus. Actually, life is that we get to live life with him, we get to commit to becoming like him, and that we live the whole of our lives, including our relationships, we live our lives for him acknowledging the cost sometimes in that, and that actually that we'd be people to say, do you know what, I'm gonna walk with you in that journey, wherever you find yourself. Because the truth is this, our own completeness, your own completeness, it is only realized in Jesus, and he is the authority over all authorities. He's the power over all powers. So I want us to come and center ourselves back on Jesus. Is that okay? I'm gonna ask John and Penny to come, and um, I actually want us to respond in worship, if that's okay, um, because I'm, I'm so aware, there, there's so many different stories and experiences and so many different things going on in the room, but I feel like the one thing that we can agree on and center on is actually, is to respond like Peter, actually to say, Jesus, I'm sticking with you. Acknowledging it's confusing, acknowledging it's painful, acknowledging we don't necessarily know, and they're not, you know, we're not always gonna be understood. Acknowledging all of that, we don't have to b- bury our head in the sands and pretend that's not how it is, but actually, we'd say, Jesus, I'm coming to you because actually there's nowhere else for us to go. So would you stand, and I'm gonna pray for us, um, and then we'll respond. God, I wanna thank you that you're good, that your plans for us are good, your purpose for us is good, your, your heart towards us is good, your posture towards us, God is always leaning in, wanting us to know your goodness. And God, so we acknowledge that this morning, that you're good. And Jesus, that in your goodness, your good plan, your perfect plan, you chose to have everything renewed, redeemed and reconciled in Jesus, and only in Jesus, and only through Jesus. And so, Father, I pray this morning. um, Jesus, we want to just come back to you. God, above all the noise, above all the other voices, above all the other turmoil that maybe is going on internally for some of us, Jesus, we want to come to you, acknowledging it's complicated, it's complex, it's difficult sometimes. But Jesus, our confession is this morning, where on earth else would we go? We believe. Jesus, we believe you have the words of everlasting and eternal life. God, we believe you're the Holy One, and we want to come to know you. We want, yeah, we want our spiritual experience, our relational experience, the way that we live, to become richer because we more fully know you. And so, Jesus, we want to come to you. We want to give ourselves to you once again this morning. So we're just going to use this song to respond. I want to encourage you. Some of you, actually, you might want to say, do you know what? Yeah, I want to come out and I want to respond. I want to come and kneel. You want to come out from your seat. Feel really free to do that. But I want to encourage you just to use this song and as a, just as that recommitment to come to Jesus again and say, actually, Jesus, it's only you. Actually, you're the only one I'm going to find completeness in and I'm coming to you again this morning.